In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending January 30th, visiting the Southeast this week was National Cotton Council's Washington representative, John McGuire. He was a guest speaker at the Georgia Cotton Commission's annual meeting discussing the various issues of importance not only to cotton growers, but agriculture as a whole. He said trade was going to be one of those focuses this year for the Cotton Council, but he also gave an update on the various other issues they will be dealing with. Well, I think the most popular topic, if you stop a grower right now, they want to talk about regulatory reform. So we're going to hear a lot about regulatory reform. Waters of the U.S. is the big one. Uh, Farm Bureau and others are taking a lead on that. That's an issue that's much bigger than any individual group. It's manufacturers, it's builders, it's it's agriculture. Uh, whether we can get legislation uh, to just stop that rule altogether, I don't know. But I think that probably it's going to be a lot different in its final form than anything we've seen. Uh, for cotton, we're working very closely with the tech providers on uh, the weed resistance problem and trying to get some new products approved and get them out there and get them in the growers' hands because that's been very costly. And then some, of them, you know, we're in Georgia, so you don't hear much about it anymore. But uh, you know, we started the boll weevil eradication program 30 years ago, uh, and we virtually eradicated the boll weevil across the United States. But we still have some infestation along the, the U.S.-Mexican border. Uh, we still get a little bit of funding from uh, through APHIS uh, to make sure that, that we finish the job down along the border. Because if we ever in, had a reinfestation in the United States, we couldn't do what we did 30 years ago on the bow weevil. So I have young growers who say, why do I pay this assessment? I've never seen one. And I go, because your dad was uh, was a visionary and he supported this. And we got rid of a, of, a, of a pest that was very destructive. So I'd like to see that finished. In other news, the oyster industry has technology in the works that can help fisheries not only across the Gulf Coast, but across the country. With more on that story, here's Susan Carter. Man-made disasters like the BP oil spill and natural disasters such as Hurricanes Katrina and Ike have spurred ingenuity. We have a hatchery initiative called the Gulf Oyster Hatchery Initiative, GOHI, G-O-H-I, and it's to establish two large-scale commercial hatcheries for oysters on the Gulf Coast. Chris Nelson is with Bond Secure Fisheries of Alabama and the Gulf Oyster Industry Council. We've had tremendous shortfalls in production of oysters on the Gulf Coast and we're trying to find a way to supplement that production through the use of hatcheries. Uh, The West Coast has a thriving oyster industry that's entirely dependent upon hatchery produced seed and so we know that it can be successful on an ex- a very large scale, and that's what we're proposing in the Gulf, to use this technology to restore and enhance our public reefs. On the plus side, says Nelson. We still have water quality situations in the Gulf that are good enough to have wild harvest of oysters. That's not found in any other region of the country. Making go high, now being looked at being replicated in other parts of the country that grow and harvest oysters. For USDA Radio, Susan Carter, Washington, D.C. Tyron Spearman had a report this week concerning 2014 ag program spending. The Congressional Budget Office reports that mandatory spending for agricultural programs now totals $19 billion in 2014. The high spending last year included major payments for livestock disaster assistance for drought-related losses since 1912 and crop insurance payments, uh, which were reported in losses of 2013. The spending for ag support is projected to average about $15 billion each year between 2015 and 2025. They said the technical updates have also led to some increases, and they have changed the budget up $48 billion because of those technical changes. On peanuts, the peanut program last year cost about $65 million nationwide, 
corn one billion nine hundred million, cotton cost five hundred twenty-six million dollars, and rice about three hundred seventy-seven million. For peanuts, the program will have one million four hundred seventy-six thousand base acres in the new program, and they estimated the plantings this year will be a million five hundred thousand acres, averaging three thousand eight hundred thirty-eight pounds per acre, leaving a carry forward next year of about uh, two million pounds. And that will be about a, a thousand tons. And the estimated average price will be point two oh six five or four hundred and thirteen dollars per ton. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Segnet. Cindy Zimmerman had a story this week about how chicken wings are Super Bowl winners. Millions of Americans will be winging it as they watch Super Bowl 49 this weekend, according to Tom Super with the National Chicken Council. It's a hot time of year for, for chicken wings. The Super Bowl is the second biggest eating day of the year after Thanksgiving, and wings are very popular, and they've become a staple food on, on Super Bowl menus, whether that's people cooking them themselves or ordering them from uh, restaurants or bars. Super says they estimate 1.25 billion wings will be consumed this weekend. It's really this whole week, especially at the supermarket and, and retail sales. The food service, the restaurants, the bars, the pizza places, they'll get their orders over the weekend, but folks who are hosting Super Bowl viewing parties at their houses generally tend to go uh, sometime during the week before to get their wings or freeze them ahead of time. So we certainly see sales peak the week leading up to the Super Bowl as well. I'm Cindy Zimmerman, Southeast Agnet. And we wrap up this week's podcast with Everett Griner talking about the crops that still depend on hand harvesting. You know, every week I see something in my printed information that comes to my desk about farm technology. It may have to do with plant modification ground enrichment, or machinery. Uh, it seems to me that when it comes to mechanical technology, most of it is directed toward harvesting. Well, think about this. That's where most of farm labor, crop production, and harvest is directed. Examples? Citrus farming. A family can produce a crop that will cover hundreds of acres, but how many people does it take to harvest it? Time has solved a lot of these harvest problems, but not all of them. Citrus is a good example. They have tree shakers, but it takes a lot of hands to pick it up, process it, and prepare it for market. What about other fruits? Apples, peaches, pears. Well, they're still hand harvested. Research continues, and time is all we need. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Gliner, Southeast Agnet. You can, of course, hear those reports and more from this past week on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.